0: we we live now i'm
1: recording you're listening, listening to, to umbrella, Cost.
0: Umbrella, Cost. umbrella cast
2: umbrella cast
0: Welcome to the Mumbrella cast. I'm senior media reporter, Hannah Blackiston. Joining me to break down your week in media and marketing is Mumbrella's editor, Vivian Kelly. Hello. And reporter, Brittany Rigby. Hello. Plus, coming up later, you'll hear from Chief Creative Officer, Ant White, and Chief Strategy Officer and Managing Director, David Holter from Mumbrella's Creative Agency of the Year, CHE Proximity. Ant and David will talk about their mammoth effort to create the Curing Homesickness campaign, which involved two years of pro bono work, millions of dollars of donated media spots, seven corporate partners, 20 publishers, and an actual pasta sauce sold in Coles. But first, the week's topics. The winners and losers in Radio Ratings Survey 5. Pill Testing Australia looks to bring the humanity back
3: to the pill testing debate with a new campaign. Alan Jones loses another
0: advertiser. And Rove McManus returns to TV. First up, the results of GFK Radio Ratings 5 were released this week, and there were some clear winners and losers. In Sydney, it was Today FM's last attempt at a breakfast show, hosted by Ed Cavalier, Grant Denyer, and Ash London, which bowed out to a very low 2.4% share. The station has made the decision to turn to music only going forward, fronted by announcer Jamie Angel. And in the next survey, we'll be able to see the results of that. Viv, we often joke that Sydney Radio is your very it's specific no joke. <laughs> very specific special subject for you. Special subject. I special like that. Special subject. Term. <laughs> what did you make of the ratings? Well, look, Southern Cross
3: stereo which owns Today FM, will tell you that while this is a poor result for Today FM breakfast, it proves that they made the right decision in moving to a music focused format with Jamie Angel so to them it's validation you know it would have been quite confronting for them I imagine if they'd cut the show and then these ratings came out and suddenly you know there were Carl and Jackie O competitors (laughs) but you know that that's not what's happened it'll be really interesting to see the next results to see if Jamie Angel's music show does start tracking up from 2.4 um the other interesting thing with sydney is look carl and jackie o on kiss 106.5 are still the fm market leaders by far they climb 0.1 percentage points to an 11 percent audience share still a really long way off from uh, am's alan jones who has 17.1 but abc in sydney uh actually jumped ahead of Colin Jackio. So I don't think Colin Jackie O will care. I don't think they would see themselves as competing with the demographics that listen to ABC (laughs) seven oh two Sydney. But that did jump to an eleven point five percent share. So there are Radio Kings and Queens aside from Colin Jackie O in Sydney, which I think sometimes we can forget. So that was interesting, but I'm
0: sure they're not bothered. They're still very much the reigning FM powerhouse. And these ratings wouldn't necessarily have resulted, have shown the results of Alan Jones's ongoing issues.
3: No. So, Alan's controversial comments were made on a Wednesday. Those comments relating to New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, that I'm sure all of our listeners (laughs) are already familiar with by now. The radio rating survey went until that Friday. So, really, after the comments, there were only two days worth of survey. So any dramatic effects either way, whether listeners really rally behind Alan Jones or whether they boycott along with advertisers, won't be seen until the next release because it just simply couldn't have that much of an impact with only two days. Mm. And what about in Melbourne,
0: Brittany, you wrote that one up? Who were the big... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. A fly flew
3: my nose and I've been keeping together. And then you say Brittany and I'm like, I'm not fucking ready for this. I mean, we have to leave this in because that is quality content. So if anybody missed that, a fly has flown up Brittany's nose. She was coping until. I was
1: coping by like making eye contact with Zoe and pointing at my nose because I think she saw it. Oh
4: no. Oh, that is um,
0: gross. <laughs> so,
4: sorry, let me collect myself Melbourne radio ratings. Yes.
3: I mean, tell me more. (laughs) R.I.P. fly, (laughs) firstly, Um, may you rest in peace.
4: So, Fox FM overtook 3AW's Tom Elliott in the drive slot, which was probably the most interesting thing to come out of Melbourne in survey five. So, Fox had a 12.3% share, thanks to a 1.3 percentage point jump for hosts Carrie Bickmore and Tommy Little, and then Dave Hughes and Kate Lambrook. Um, and 3AW dropped 0.6 percentage points to finish with 11.4% share. So, That was um, a really good result for Fox and Viv. uh, Kiss was also interesting in Melbourne.
3: Yeah, so Kiss 101.1 in Melbourne, some time ago, at the beginning of 2018, I think, brought in Jason PJ as their breakfast hosts. And I think that show was quite uh, not very well known in, in Australia. And It didn't get great ratings to start with, but unlike Today FM in Sydney, which chopped and changed its breakfast talent as a result of poor ratings and various personality conflicts and whatnot, Duncan Campbell from Australian Radio Network, which owns KISS FM, just kept saying, it's a good show. We're going to stick with it. We're not going to chop and change. He really, really kept peddling the party line that the ratings will come. Melbourne just needs time to get to know uh Polly Harding and Jace Hawkins. And it does appear that he was right. I mean, it's taken a really long time, but it's now August 2019 and Jason PJ have a 7.2% share, which is, you know, quite respectable. They're far, far, far from the breakfast leaders. You know, 3AW have 18.6%, Fox FM have 10%. There are others ahead of them, but 7.2 is not something to be embarrassed about now and it does show that having the right talent and believing in it and sticking with it can actually
0: really pay off so i'm gonna put you on the spot because i don't know if you actually have this information where have they come up from so 7.2 is obviously pretty respectable did they have to climb up there from 2.4 or what was the lowest they kind of reached
3: yeah so jason pj joined kiss 101.1 at the beginning of 2018 their first breakfast share was 5.1%, but that was a fall of 1.2 ratings points from the previous show. I'm not sure how much it's fluctuated off the top of my head over the past 18 months or so. It definitely never got as dire as Today FM in Sydney, but they have, you know, had some very low ratings being second last spot in breakfast and whatnot when they debuted. So to be climbing like that and to be in the sevens, I'm sure KISS and ARN are very happy with that.
0: And the other market where there was a lot of movement was Perth, which I think we actually touched on last time. Um, We did radio ratings chat. Because they had dropped, um, sorry, 96FM had dropped its breakfast duo of Paul and Lise, which is Paul Hogan and Lisa Fernandez, and replaced them with Fred Boddicker and Lisa Shaw. So, that kind of happened midway through the survey period. Um, Paul and Lise were still on air for the first half, and then Fred and Lisa came in for the second half. But There's been some massive movement for um, 96FM. They gained 1.3 percentage points in breakfast, four percentage points in drive, three overall. It's interesting just considering, you know, quite often in these surveys we see movements of like less than a percentage point. Those Mm. are some pretty big numbers. But there was also some really big falls as well. Um, ABC Perth dropped quite significantly and Ben and Liam dropped as well. They last survey had pushed up into – second place for breakfast, they're on Triple J, um, but they dropped 2.6 percentage points this survey to lose that second spot. So I don't know what's going on over in Perth at the moment, but there's a lot of movement happening.
3: Yeah, look, sometimes when radio ratings are stable, uh, look, the programming bosses are happy if they're at the top and, mm. and it's stable. But it's certainly more interesting for us if there's, if there's movement and there's something happening. And it does feel like Perth is a really competitive market and listeners perhaps aren't as loyal and aren't mm. as wedded to a particular program because it does feel like there's lots of movement happening there, which means it is up for grabs and it will be really interesting to see how 96FM's new breakfast show goes because, as you say, it changed partway through the survey period. So that 1.3 percentage point, Jump. Well, was that people going to the old show or was that Mm. people coming to the new show? Uh, We can't really draw any conclusions yet about whether it was a successful move.
0: But yeah, I mean, we need to get over to Perth and see what's going on. (laughs) Next up, Pill Testing Australia gets emotional with its latest campaign. The pill testing debate keeps raging on, especially as we head into festival season, and Pill Testing Australia has decided to make a bid to return humanity to it with their latest campaign in collaboration with director Dylan Harrison and his company, Hooligan Collective. The ad shows a young man feeling pressured to jump off a cliff into waters below. As his anxiety and uncertainty mounts, he feels pressure from those around him, and a woman appears to offer him assistance. The film then transitions to the reality the man is facing, which is having his pills tested at a festival. Vivian, you covered this one. What are the key thoughts behind the campaign and what was the reaction like? Look, I think pill
3: testing Australia and Dylan Harrison, who actually has quite an extensive history in Adland himself. He used to be the executive creative director of DDB Sydney until 2014 when he left to pursue his directing career. I think... They just want to reframe the debate because from their perspective, there's a lot of hysteria involved in it and we're forgetting that it's young, vulnerable people who are going to do this anyway. So – speaking to dylan and and pill testing australia they sort of say look this is going to happen no matter how much we moralize about it no matter how much we debate certain young people are going to take drugs at festivals they're not put off by the idea that it's illegal it's a rite of passage to these people according to dylan and pill testing australia so they wanted to put a human face to it and not like a you know druggy party teen who's you know unsavable they've put you know a A vulnerable young man there who just looks like he's growing up, he's struggling with peer pressure, he's not sure what he wants to do, he's not sure what's in the waters below and whether he should jump off this cliff. And then this friendly looking woman shows up to say, you know, do you want me to help you test that before you dive in? So it is quite an emotional campaign where you really feel for him as he's about to jump off this cliff. And I think it's a really good sort of Framing of the whole thing because you're on while that boy is thinking about jumping off the cliff, you're really on his side and you really feel his anxiety. Like he wants to jump off the cliff and he wants to have a good time, but what is in that water? Like, is he going to hurt himself and is it worth it? And then to transition to the festival where he looks just as, just as nervous and just as unsure, and then that woman appears, I think it was a really good comparison because nobody's moralizing and freaking out about people jumping off waterfalls into the lake below and that's got lots of associated risks as well.
0: It's interesting though, so the way you described that just then, um, you did make it very much like, you know, something I'm empathising with that character, but I would imagine to the people who are on the other side of the pill testing debate, they're not going to be happy that this campaign has chosen to put a human face on it. This isn't going to be the kind of campaign that they're going to enjoy seeing on the TV.
3: I think it is a topic that it's difficult to change people's minds on once they've decided either way. So I think if you're a hardcore no-pill-testing person, it is going to be difficult to shift you. I feel like this campaign, though, isn't really targeting the young people. It It is targeting, I think, their parents who are maybe in mm. denial of that their beautiful, young, well behaved, high achieving boy, who's 99% of the time a law abiding citizen, might go to that festival and have a pill. And it's about that, making it, you know, that suburban boy that they can relate to and seeing how much he's going through. So they are, I think, targeting parents who are a bit naive about it and trying to make it about the safety of these beautiful young kids who are going to do what they're going to do and let's try and help them do it a bit more safely.
4: I think the other thing is is that this is a debate where both sides essentially want the same thing, right, which is for people to not die because of drugs. So people who are anti-pill testing are anti-pill testing because they don't think people should be taking drugs at all because drugs are illegal, drugs are bad, you can die people who want pill testing accept that it's a fact of life that people are going to do drugs, let's make it as safe as possible so that less people die and that people don't have to feel like they have to take substances that they're not quite sure the origins of. So I think the campaign does a really good job of saying implicitly we both want the same thing, which is Mm -hmm. to keep kids safe – and let's figure out the best way to do that if we can't change the reality of kids taking drugs.
3: Yeah, Dylan did say that part of his motivation to be involved in this campaign was the number of preventable mm. drug-related incidences and tragedies and whatnot. So he's not saying we can stop these people from doing it. He's saying, you know, they're going to do it but maybe we could prevent some of some of the harm and, you know, he he said that the film is aiming to bring some humanity back to the conversation, reminding audiences of their impressionability and vulnerability. I just, I do think it's a really powerful campaign. Unfortunately, at the moment, it's only running sort of online and on their own social and owned platforms. Uh, but when I spoke to Dylan, he did say that, you know, they were trying to work out a more comprehensive media schedule through some partner activities. So, I think it would be fantastic if this campaign went out to more consumers. I personally don't even know where I stand on pill testing. Like, I just, I'm not somebody who does drugs and I'm not somebody who has children. So it doesn't really immediately affect me. So I don't really feel like I understand the implications either way. But this campaign is really, really powerful. And I think that, you know, mainstream Australia or heartland Australia, as the TV bosses like to talk about, would really benefit from seeing
0: it. Next up, ComBank Parts Ways with Alan Jones. 2GB shock jock Alan Jones has lost yet another advertiser, with Commonwealth Bank announcing they won't be advertising with the controversial radio host on his 2GB show any longer. Now, this is following the comments that Viv already referenced earlier about New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Um, It's kind of blown up a bit since then. Alan did eventually apologise, but it did take a little bit longer and then more audio came out. I, for one, am starting to get a little bit suspicious about all this. So... They said in – Combank said in the tweets that the campaign that they were currently running had already concluded and they do join 70 brands who have already pledged to drop their support or not add any additional support. So in 2019, when Twitter and social media outrage has a disproportionate impact on brand awareness and the reputation of brands, but only for as long as the outrage lasts and only – which is usually a very short amount of time – Brands can kind of get a lot of kudos for throwing their support behind something, and they don't very often actually have to answer to it. So they can just tweet something saying, Oh, we were not going to advertise anymore. I guarantee you, most of the people looking at that Twitter aren't 2GB listeners. They're not going to be listening and waiting for a Combank ad <laughs> so they can call up Combank and be like, nah, You lied. <laughs> so are we just seeing brands like this tweet their support because it's a really easy way to get the kudos for it? We
3: did touch on this in in last week's podcast, uh, in particular around uh, SBS journalist Mark Fennell's comments that if brands are going to get this social media bump from taking a stand and get that kudos and get that attention, then they also need to be held to account if they decide to return and try to do it quietly without explaining what's changed (laughs) I think with Commonwealth Bank, the reason that I was suspicious, so this was announced on Friday the 23rd of August, which was really quite some time after Alan Jones had made the comments. Mm. And they took to Twitter at 4.37pm on a Friday afternoon, a week after he'd made the comments and long after other advertisers had taken a stand, And they said, we have been dismayed by recent comments from Alan Jones about the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Then in a follow-up tweet, they said, we note the comments by Macquarie's management that Mr. Jones' contract will be terminated if there is a reoccurrence of this conduct. CBA's ad campaign that has run recently on the Alan Jones program on 2GB concluded today. So really, they're just sort of saying, oh, we let our campaign run out. They didn't cancel it. They didn't take a stand. Now that their pre-booked, pre-organized, already running campaign ended, oh, now we are dismayed. Right, so you weren't dismayed, ComBank, when it first happened? And it was really unclear what they were even committing to. They're taking a stand a week late as a brand. They've let their campaign run. So a a Twitter user, and he was one of many, but uh, the one that I saw was a man called Daniel Bauer who just replied saying, and it won't be back after a few weeks, I'm hoping, and Combank responded, hi there, Daniel, no further advertising is scheduled for the Alan Jones Mm -hmm. program. So, again, are they boycotting or did they not have an ad booked already or were they having a break in their slot on 2GB because, you know, they'll come back to market with a different campaign? You know, you don't run the same campaign forever. So again, some people are celebrating saying, yay, Alan Jones's biggest advertiser, the Commonwealth Bank has, has pulled it. So it's the beginning of the end for Alan Jones. And <laughs> oh my goodness, now that Commonwealth Bank has joined the exodus, it's all over. But to me, it's quite a Weak stance from CBA. They're not slamming him. They're being really non committal about whether they're pulling support or whether there wasn't going to be support anyway.
0: No further advertising is planned. Okay. Like, it's like if you ask me if I'm going to see somebody and I'm like, mm, nothing's planned, yeah. but it doesn't mean I'm not going to see them. Like You just haven't booked it in yeah, yet. Yeah, to me that's like, you know, <laughs> such a pass off. Like, yeah. oh, it's not in the diary right now. Yeah, I have no booked meetings
3: to see my mum.
0: <laughs> doesn't mean I'm not going to see her again, I'm, <laughs> no matter what she re- says.
3: Relations have not soured between me and my mum. <laughs> we just haven't got something in the diary yet, you know, but you could take that as, ooh. You know the yeah. Kelly family's falling apart. No, I'm just really busy and I haven't had time, Mum. Like, so I, I don't know. Maybe CBA is taking a stance, but it was it was one of the weaker brand removals, definitely. Even though some people are celebrating a lot, I don't think Alan will be too distressed by that very non-committal response from CBA.
4: I think we were talking last week about authenticity, right? And this is an example where it doesn't really feel like the statement that ComBank is making and how they hope it will be perceived, which is that they are one of the advertisers which is pulled out, matches with what their actual intentions are. The upside to it, I think, though, is that the number is pretty powerful, um, even since Hannah and I were talking this morning about the the number 70. I think that's gone up to 71 now. 71 advertisers, no matter how big or small they are, whether or not they plan to jump back in at a future point or not, is a really big number. And I think that the number and the strength in that number is what people are most excited about because... That hasn't happened before where there's been enough momentum to carry us to a number this big to the point where Macquarie Media have to be asking themselves, is this going to last? Can this many brands jump back into bed with us? And it it has to be making them question the decision to keep him on more than they have had to previously. Up next,
0: Rove is back, but our audience is happy to see him. Rove McManus is back on our screens with Saturday Night Rove, which landed on 10 to a demure 244,000 Metro viewers this week. I spoke with Rove ahead of the premiere and he was very confident that viewers both wanted the format, but also wanted programming on a Saturday night. Viv, did viewers want that?
3: Look, I by no means can speak on behalf of all of Australia, um, but what I <laughs> but can- I will. <laughs> but you are Heartland Australia. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely not what they're referencing when they're talking about Heartland <laughs> Australia. Uh, so, what I can tell you is Saturday Night RoVe brought in two hundred and forty four thousand Metro viewers for ten on Saturday, and three hundred and fifty two thousand across. The country. Now, that is a slight bump from its 203,000 that it had in its outing last year when it was called Bring Back Saturday Night as part of 10's pilot week. But as a point of comparison, uh, the 1993 film Mrs. Doubtfire, classic, oh, was on at 7:30. in In some cases, it was on Seven Mate, depending on the AFL in the particular city, and in some cases, it was on Seven's primary channel. That beat Saturday Night. Rove. So it had 329,000 Metro viewers compared to Rove's 244 and nationally it had uh, 502,000 compared to Rove's national figure of 352. That's a really old Robin Williams film that honestly, if you haven't seen by now, I don't know what you've been doing. If you haven't seen it 20 times by now. (laughs) And the fact that people, more people wanted to watch that 1993 film that everybody's seen with ads in it, you know, not even just watching it on DVD or streaming it. I don't know that that's a great sign for Rove, uh, but I think 10 will stick with it for now, you know, if viewers aren't used to watching that sort of show on a Saturday night, if they're not used to turning to Channel 10 on a Saturday night, it's not going to happen immediately. It is going to need to get some word-of-mouth chatter, get some social media chatter, not that the social media chatter on Saturday night was great. <laughs> they will have to give it time to see if that audience does exist. I had a very quiet Saturday night and I did watch it uh, which made me reflect on my life choices as a 30 year old at home on a Saturday watching Saturday Night Rove I was such a fan of Rove in his heyday like a sad 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 amount um I felt quite bizarre watching it 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 did feel like a bit of a time warp a bit of a throwback Mm. maybe that's what they're going for maybe that's the vibe they're trying to create It was a bizarre one for 7.30, though. Like, there was also Mm. Judith Lucy, the comedian, you know, some of her jokes. Not everyone's going to be a fan of Judith, so we could debate that all day. But, you know, there were some pretty heavy jokes for 7.30 p.m. from her. So... I'll be interested to see how they readjust the program in coming weeks, whether they make it more family friendly or whether they double down and sort of really go for it with something that's not necessarily great for 7.30.
2: Well,
0: he did say when he spoke to me that um, he wasn't aiming at kind of a family friendly activity. He was aiming at a show that, you know, audiences who are kind of around his age would want to watch. So it would be interesting to me if they decided to go that family friendly route. But I think just as a quick comparison, taboo which also came this year from last year's pilot week debuted to 309,000 metro viewers and uh Kinney tonight 389,000 metro viewers. So Rove's done the worst out of all of them so far, but I He
3: has the biggest challenge being on a Saturday. Yeah, agreed.
0: And I'm inclined to lean your way that I do think they'll just ride it out. And now we'll cross to Mumbrella's Health Marketing Summit, where Ant White and David Holter from CHE Proximity are on stage talking about their Curing Homesickness campaign, a bold and multifaceted pro bono campaign for the Sydney Children's Hospital Foundation. They will be joined on stage by Mumbrella's Abigail Dawson for a Q&A about the campaign. We join them as Ant is speaking just after they have shown the emotional campaign to the audience.
1: Recently, we heard a remarkable story. It's about a little girl's note to her mother that's taken the internet by storm. This little girl, her name is Ali. Despite everything she's going through, there's one thing on her mind. It's getting home to mum's pasta sores.
5: Thank you. Um, I, I started before before I played that. I said that this was much bigger than a film. And whilst we launched with a film, it was, and that's sort of what you can see as a result, but it was so much bigger than that. So Dave showed the stories of these young kids in hospital at the start and putting them in front of the camera on a film is a whole other story. So we needed to have a story of Ali, who was representative of 500,000 kids in hospital. You just couldn't put a family through that. That was, that was the story thread that we had. Everything else in that story was real. So the donated PR, so all the PR that was in it was happened on the morning show that morning. The T-shirt I'm wearing was an assembly label T-shirt. They're still for sale for $40. All proceeds, 100% of proceeds go towards the charity. The cold source was on the shelves that day. Every influencer posted on Instagram and every article that was written in all the sort of sea of publishing sort of content in that film was released that day. And there was a reason for that. It was because it had to feel real. We know that stories are a bit of a flash in the pan these days and people want to be part of what's happening or trending in culture. And the fact that we made it, we made everyone be able to experience the story, not just see it. and. That's why I'm still wearing the T-shirt. Um, the, the, and, and it's why the source is now the fastest-selling source in Coles because we created an emotional story that people can be part of. Um, but it be, quickly became much bigger than source. So as I mentioned, Assembly Label created T-shirts. Pastor Pantry also released a limited edition menu that they was, had in New South Wales. Disney, there was a screening, um, the Avengers Film Festival. Where all $40 tickets, all the proceeds went to the hospitals. What did eBay do?
6: eBay gave <laughs> oh, they donated media space or, or or sort of funds to help get the campaign off the ground. I mean, we, we've just sort of been overwhelmed with the amount of support we've been
5: but able to drum up. It's like sort of Dave said before, if you if you had a big charity ball and everyone sort of holds up their tickets and sort of fights for that top spot... When we had this idea and we shopped it round to all these different corporations over the months leading up to making the film, people were just throwing things at, at us, trying to be part of it, which was it just felt like modern fundraising. Um, here are a few of the other things. Even G Flip sort of donated the song, so she's blowing up in culture right now and sort of it was a toss-up between her and Vance Joy. I think he missed out. I feel he missed out. But um, G Flip was, was, was amazing and sort of everyone contributed and donated their time to this.
6: Even like Gemma Ward, I think, wore the T-shirt for a day and posted about it and then sales went through the roof. So it's just trying to find ways to, to fundraise and, and use our relationships in, in sort of innovative ways which worked.
5: Um, but it was, it was very much a PR strategy and it, it paid off. We had 25 million impressions on day one. Um, so like being more than a film. It really was sort of everything being part of culture gave people something to something tangible to talk about and buy and share. Do you want to talk to Donate Media? Yeah,
6: look, I think there's often donated Media for for charity, but we were able to secure almost two million dollars or over two million dollars worth of of additional media, which is amazing. So it was um, heavily featured in in news limited papers. Um, Channel Nine got heavily involved. We have a lot of out of home. Um, a lot of digital as well. So, again, it was just a, a wonderful sort of example of corporate Australia coming together and doing some good. And as Ant mentioned, the source is like flying off the shelves. So if you can see it in your local coals, you are lucky. But we have some here today. It's $400 a jar, which we'll sell it to you for. <laughs>
5: but I actually think that the, the thing to learn here is like this is storytelling, right? So this is now beating Dolmios and Legos, these Brands that we've grown up with, you know, and I think this is can all be attributed to, well, purpose, brands having purpose, but also just great storytelling. I think, like, as, as charities or health, we can, we, and the industry, we can do that better. Stories do bring people together and they do rally behind them still, like just an, an emotional story. The result of all of this is getting kids home. So all the, all the, all the charity money is going towards the equipment and the research and the and the nurses and all of that that keeps the hospital lights on that will get kids home. Um and it's it's exactly why we did it. It's just awesome to see that that sort of emotional <laughs> kid running running under those dorky people. Dorky nurses. <laughs> it's great.
6: So you can go online, you can donate. I mean it's only beginning for us, it's only year one. We're basically um, sort of just launched this um, initiative, but we're hoping, you know, as the years go on and we we find new ways to to bring it to life, it'll be, it'll become a real um, force in the in the corporate fundraising and community fundraising initiative to to combine those hospitals together. As mentioned, so you can go online, you can donate, you can hear all the stories that we um well some of the stories that I mentioned up front. And all the ways you can get involved, either donating directly or um, buying some of the products. But as I said, it's a it's been an absolute, you know, two years in the making, as Abby said, a lot of pitching and a lot of presentations and a lot of hard meetings and great meetings and tough questions from the board and, like, looking me in the eye saying, is this going to work? I'm like, yes, it's going to be fine. Um, but it's been a huge privilege, privilege for us. You know, we've all, um, all of us at, at Champ have got young kids who are, luckily, all very healthy. So um, it's a cause that's really close to our hearts, and it's been amazing to work with Lisa, Tanya, and Nicola, the team. So thanks for the opportunity. I think that wraps up. Thank you. It's up.
1: Um. Cool. So I just sort of I know you, you you mentioned it, um, but you know, may I always ask these kind of questions? Um, set the scene for us when you you got the brief, which you know essentially is to to drive donation dollars, a goal that many charities have, and and a, a goal that many agencies who work with charities have too. How? Did this idea start from the very start? Talk me through the ideation process and and this notion of curing homesickness. Set the scene for me. Where did it come from?
6: We had the, I mean, we had the brief of. I think the prop was let's get them out of here, and like talked about the the doctors and the kids wanting to get them home, but it it did take a while. Like we had manifestos and like very sort of traditional ads in the beginning, I think, that were were okay. But do you want to – and then you sort of – We had a
5: manifesto floating around for about a year that you guys were crying about every time we presented it to you. But it just – it wasn't enough. We needed an emotional story. But I think the challenge itself that we faced was a lot of agencies and brands face this same problem of – especially when it comes to charity, is they're all competing for dollars and eyeballs and attention – and the hospitals—you you have to sort of imagine that every, you're only going to donate really to one thing a year, or maybe two things a year, and something that's close to your heart. Like you know, we've we've just lost a dear friend from work to cancer, and that's top of mind to us, mm. and that's something that you know you you donate to. We had to—it sounds horrible, but we had to compete with those other illnesses and sicknesses and create something that was. Was just as emotional and pulled at the heartstrings, and something that did sort of unify all kids that any kid that had a sickness came in and also got another sickness.
6: I, I was just going to say, I think the other thing is like when you make the sauce real, it gives people an option to donate through something they were going to buy anyway. So a bolognese sauce is in the weekly, for most of us, in the weekly sort of shopping basket. And if you can pick up a sauce that does good versus a sauce that, you know, is going to a shareholder, then maybe you, you pick the one that, that does good. So I think making it those tangible... Good. It does tastes
5: taste really good. good. Too.
1: I have tried it. It, make, make, yeah, it tastes I really think good, I
5: guys. So.
6: Making those tangible products that could be a swap out for people, whether it be a T-shirt or going to the movies or uh, making a sauce is a really kind of interesting strategy for us. And um, if you work for charities, don't copy it because I think our board <laughs> are really keen to <laughs> expand <laughs> the uh, mum's insert next product here kind of range. So we'll see where that goes.
1: And you mentioned towards the end that, you know, this campaign involves some tough conversations with boards and I think a lot of brave work in advertising does involve these these tough conversations. How did you go about conducting them?
6: Well, I had most of them and didn't. I was calling <laughs> you. Yeah, okay. he called me before and after. Have you solved the bloody yeah, sauce? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you got to have a really clear, succinct story and you've got to fight for the parts of the work and the idea that you believe are sort of non-negotiable. Like everybody knows in this room, Coles are really hard. I mean, they're a they're a hard organisation to do business with because they've got they've got great um, scale and great reach. But the team there was so open to this. I mean, even getting us to misspell the word source on the label was a fight that we that we had. And the, you know, they they the, to their credit are amazing. They sort of are really open to the idea and saw it and run with it. But you've got to have a really tight story. You've got to stick to your guns and, um, you know, look people with the eye and with conviction and say, this is, the, this is the right thing to do.
1: And uh, because this was such a multifaceted campaign and there were sort of uh, different ways that you could get involved and donate, what did you find, or currently, because it's obviously still in its infancy, was the one call to action that worked the most?
6: I mean, getting kids home from hospital sooner is pretty compelling. I don't know
5: what you think. I think it's it's curing homesickness. The the source is the biggest, the biggest thing, the, the most, the easiest thing to buy and purchase. It's at every store around Australia. But but yeah, the the bigger thing was definitely getting kids home. You sort of, I think that um, people want to rally behind a story today. Mm. It's sort of. Just as important to sort of own a story and tell your friends why you've bought the sauce rather than just to sort of donate to one thing it's It's such a huge part of charity that we've we, we think we've unlocked that and of of modern culture like there's this world record egg last year. everyone saw it on Instagram. Everyone liked this stupid egg it's only to be part of a story. Have you seen the egg? I liked it? It's beating Kendall Jenner. It's just its silly, like the the world's kind of crazy. But uh, there's something in that. We like stories, we like being part of stories and if we can create stories that do good in the world and it gives people another reason to to be part of them over an egg.
1: (laughs) Going to throw it out. To the audience, if we have any questions, we've got source on offer. Free um, for
6: a good question.
1: We do have mics coming around. We've got one question at the front here. If you just want to stick your hand up, so she can see. Yeah, perfect. Thank you.
5: Yeah, you could, you could just say it.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, you guys
5: said uh, it took about two years in the making.
6: Is this yeah. you two gents in a basement kind of like that, cracking it? away, <laughs> yeah, or it is was just us? So strategy. No. you know, amongst other clients. Like, give us a sense from a client to us agency perspective of how that
5: mm-hmm. how, okay. how would how, unfold
6: th- what was the two in that years. relationship, really? Two years. Oh, Lise, when did we meet? Two years ago. Yvonne's here as well. I didn't see you. Sorry. Hello, Yvonne. Um, <laughs> oh, I think we got introduced through uh, another client from Telstra, maybe. Um, and we didn't have a we, – just started Sydney. Well, we were sort of a year into the Sydney office. We didn't have a pro, bo- pro bono client. We fell in love at first sight. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of things happen. We we um, it was the brief was always unlock new donations. Like you don't need an agency to hold an event or to you know make the DM a little bit better. That's that's sort of easy to do. So it was always about innovation, un- unlocking new revenue streams. It's one of the most connected. Um, hospital networks or foundation or charities I've seen, like everybody knows everybody. You go into the boardroom and it's um, very connected but they're just constantly, these organisations are constantly looking for ideas that they can use their networks for and take things to. So, that was was amazing and then…
5: But I feel like it also got bigger and bigger as time went on and you guys to your credit just were so fluid to like roll with it and then adapt. Like you know, from the strategy of needing to get kids home to unlocking a language of curing homesickness, we could have ended on a manifesto. It was a great manifesto, but it wouldn't have done anything. We wouldn't have done enough in the world. And then, so we created this story. And that the story took time because we were really hard on ourselves that it didn't live up to the sort of beauty and emotion of of the language of curing homesickness. We had to unlock a story, and once we'd unlocked that, then you shop that story around all around Australia and more more people and more corporations get on board and it sort of just had to adapt and change and become what it was. I think time ended up being our, the, the greatest asset we had and no clients have time these days. It was, it was really interesting.
6: But we do have an amazing team. I mean, we take all the credit today but there's like dozens of people back at the office who spent lots of weekends and pro bono work happens after all the paying clients' work. And then just a couple being, of the clients who were here of ours,
5: but then being part of it, like you know, <clears throat> just like weekend work, but like going to like hey. going going <laughs> going to the hospital and dressing up as monsters and robots and you know heroes and, and seeing the kids and meeting them. I think like there would have been about forty people who did that on rotation. Yeah, and it's just being part of it. Like it's been great. We we're, we're bleeding that client.
6: Um, what do you think? Two bottles.
1: Why are you looking at me? This is up to you. They're your sauce bottles. You go. You go. Congratulations.
6: <laughs> well done. Enjoy.
1: Right, choice. Well done. Um, I just wanna, you know, on that sort of notion of of, of two years. What kept the campaign going ahead? I mean, I imagine that it, it could have quite easily lost momentum mm. within two years. That's that's a long time, you know, it even is. looking at the growth that, that CHEP's made in those two years. How did you keep it going and sort of keep a fire under everyone's belly to produce this, quite frankly, pretty awesome
6: campaign? Text messages daily to Dave. Yeah, just ant um, harassing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good, yeah, tough question. I don't know. You just sort of, I, I think it goes back to if you find a cause that, the key senior people believe in and are really close to. Like we've all, I've got three young kids under eight and it's got, you know, young kids, Mariana's got kids, Howie's got kids, our CEO. And I think we just all got in a room and said like, if we, you can't sort of half do this, you got to go all in. And I think we're really passionate about that. And then, you know, I think once you get exposure to... Like boards and you have a meeting with Coles and then one thing leads to another and Disney ringing and they say, hey, we'd like to get involved too and like Channel 7 want to do something and then, you know, like momentum, every every time somebody saw, we had like a really tight 12 slide presentation, every time someone saw that, they were like, yeah, I mean, and it was that, that really fuels the momentum because you're getting feedback and going, okay, well, we might be onto something good here, let's keep...
5: Let's and and a it. really good agency producer. Yeah, <laughs> so the key is a good slide <laughs> deck. Yeah, they're not the <laughs> slide deck. <laughs> Holly said likened it to playing one of those video games where you power up. Like at every turn, you can like fall down a mm. something and something will kill you, and then you get your little power up mushroom and keep going. And that was like us getting Coles on board, <laughs> and then Disney <laughs> coming on board, and like at every turn something changed, and we just sort of kept going. It so it was amazing.
1: Any other questions from the floor? Yep, we've got one here. Hi, I just wanted to explore a little bit more about the real
0: stories that you showed us at the start. Those images were really powerful and obviously they're real children with real illnesses, real diseases, real injuries. Um, how did you go about finding those stories and how did they factor into the campaign?
6: So all those kids are on the website. Um, and out of home. And in the out of home and they featured in the print advertising as well. So they're sort of heavily featured... Obviously not in the, in the film. Oh, well, there's there's children at the end of the film as well, the real ones that you saw. Um, yeah, so they're really sort of prominent.
1: Did we have any other questions? Yes, I've got another one there and one there. Hi, I've got um, two questions for you, I guess. One, I want to understand a little bit more about launch day, I guess, being a multifaceted campaign. Did the source go first? Did the website get launched? <laughs> you know, how how did you get on day one all of that coverage essentially to fill up that video? Um, and secondly, so many stakeholders involved and it kind of ties in with the launch day and how did you manage all of them, both in all of the hospitals as well as all the suppliers, I guess, and the donors?
5: It's that video game question again yeah
6: it's no. a great question you're going to get four jobs <laughs> please do i've
1: got a plane to catch oh on. okay no worries. <laughs> carry
2: on like <laughs> you smuggling <sauce on>. <laughs> <laughs>
6: um okay so first question launch day look i wouldn't underestimate the importance of a, an ignition moment in today's marketing landscape i mean a lot of brands depends you know what category you come from but um, a lot of the FMCG brands in the world will try and buy reach over a long period of time but um, we've seen great results across a whole bunch of our other clients on just hitting everything really hard on day one and creating an impact and that gives you a long, a longer tail. So everything was lined up, PR, um, as you said, website turned on at midnight, we knew we had the Today Show um, exclusive, sorted, um, that was some good preparation or, from that so that was sort of locked it, in.
5: Like everything in the film was pre-shot weeks before. And they were holding it back before they would actually release that release content.
6: Yeah, so it was huge. I mean, it's a huge effort. There's an amazing um, production and account management team who worked on this back at the office. Who, who, as as you said, like it was like having twenty clients. Um, the approvals, the legals, the terms, like all that sort of stuff was a a, a massive effort.
5: But there's a long tail of content as well. So, like launch, we had to punch really hard because to get people's attention, but the long tail after that was the influencers and Coles. There was ads on TV. It's, it's I think I saw it in the paper yesterday, and like, it's it's still going. But like we really had to capture the attention instantly, so everything went at once.
6: Yeah, I mean we can share. I mean we can share the the sort of phases and the way we defined it. I think the other thing is about the, the stretch of the idea. You sort of could launch with Coles and the source And then Coles did all their own PR. So like Curtis was posting about it and every store did an activation. So you let the source do its thing. And then a couple of days later, we like Gemma Ward did a shoot. And then that was like a whole fashion sort of PR angle to it. And then the Disney Avengers thing, tickets go on sale for that. So you get like a whole entertainment families, Avengers, you know, like another burst. So it was like a big ignition moment. And then these sort of waves... Like past the pantry, did a launch night. I think the wanderers got involved. There was sort of different, um, phases to it off the, off the back of it. But again, it just goes back to having those, like a really tight, and I, I'm over, I'm over exaggerating the use of PowerPoint in this presentation, but just a really tight story and a really tight role for everybody. And then that could be so people could pick it up and read it and wanderers go, okay, that's what we can do to help. So that really helped coordinate it, but it did really sit. Um, with our production and account management team as long, um, alongside Tanya and the, the hospital team. Amazing.
1: Do we have another question somewhere? Here? No
6: source for you. You have to buy something. At your end destination.
1: It was more just an observation. Um, I was thinking it was about the two-year f- part of the story that's interesting. Like we normally rush our agencies and we, we want great ideas straight away. And do you think we should... If we didn't have to pay for those whole two years, <laughs> that maybe we should give you a bit more time um, in this whole process to, for something to build into a great execution. <laughs> Particularly the part so, about but, not yeah, paying. Like we we all just... know
5: time's going to make things better. Time and money, or people donating everything, but but also like, uh, but like you know, I think time can also be an, an enemy sometimes when you just procrastinate. And you won't get to it. Like, you know, we'll get to that brief later. But, like, this was so important to us that we were working towards it, you know, daily. But, yeah, give us more time. <laughs> well, where do you work?
6: <laughs> I think what's interesting, there's a famous John Haggerty quote, which was great work. It's like 80% idea, 80% execution. Craft, craft yeah. or execution. And there's not enough time spent on that execution. We were lucky enough to spend time, you know, forming those media relationships, getting the PR lined up. Like, getting to the idea is is okay from a time perspective, as Anne said, because if you give us four weeks, we'll do nothing for three and a half and then cram it all in the last minute. But I think having time... on do t- Kind of. Have we don't. No. Sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but having time to craft the execution and invest in, you know, film and getting all the channels lined up, that's the stuff that sort of gets rushed, mm. we find, and you might, you know... Um, miss a day, or miss a moment, or miss a celebrity because they're shooting something. So, yeah, allowing that's for that. Actually, it. is
5: it the interesting thing? Was like it was the planning of all the PR. Like we had these spreadsheets of every inf- influencer and what they were going to post, but all of that had to be orchestrated. So on day one when we launched, it was all ready to go. But that was really the time. Like we felt we had the idea for probably a year. Yeah, it was, awesome. and then and then no, but we we're in production. <laughs> with that time
6: we've got a Ant's got a good saying and we use it a lot is like leave nothing to chance so like as, as much as you can orchestrate and plan and whether that be your media or your PR just keeping it as tight and sort of orchestrated as we
5: say yeah as possible this is the best version of it we've done but like no, nothing happens nothing gets shared nothing goes viral it just doesn't happen like we, we planned literally everything every post every influencer all the partnerships that was the hard work
6: Source? You flying? Sure, no. Yeah? <laughs> three, kids. three kids. Oh, three jars for you. I've got three kids too, so you're gonna and I'm told it's uh no sugar, no no what's the thing? No sugar, no salt? Four star. health rating. I mean that that was an amazing moment. That was an amazing moment actually, um, when Nick when we pitched the idea and Nicola said to I'll never forget the day, when she said to Cole Dennis, we need, um, we need the pasta sauce to be the best, healthiest pasta sauce you've ever made because it's for sick kids in hospital and he's like, oh, God, okay. So off they went to their kitchen and made it on a sweet potato base or like a pumpkin base. Anyway, we met the chef. It was great. But it's good for you. Four stars.
1: We probably have time for one more question if anyone has a burning question in the room or really wants some salt.
6: Power questions worth four jars. Five jars.
1: We do. We've got a taker.
0: Thanks. Hi. First of all, I just want to say congratulations. It's an amazing campaign, and I think the results that you got were fantastic. And please don't take this the wrong way, but what's next? How do you top that? Because it was absolutely incredible. <laughs>
4: <ask> we're <What>, <laughs> two from here.
6: <laughs> two years. We'll talk to you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back.
5: I don't know. I think we have to. We're working on it now. No, we have to work with what, like the learnings from it. Which are, like, I don't I don't know. Like, there's something just in the, the art of storytelling and engaging the whole community to be part of it. Um, Dave mentioned, but the source was like, what, it's $3. Everyone can participate in that and share the story and talk about it. The T-shirts, sort of like, we rallied corporate Australia but also the community to be part of it. We've got to do that again. <laughs> I don't know how. Is The
2: sources ongoing, yeah, with yeah. like it's a permanent
5: yeah. line, yeah. It's 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 the fastest selling source, um, it's exceeding our goal, and so they're not gonna I mean, have a good thing. And like they're, they're a long term partner as well, like they're committed to this cause, so yeah, it's going to be a long term fundraising platform, but campaign two might be. Something else,
6: I think if we can find ways for people to substitute things that they're buying anyway with a donation mechanic it's it feels like a good ish approach um, and a new revenue stream which that's always going to be the brief for charities is like how do we get more more revenue so if we can um, use the learnings from that and sort of blow it out at scale it'd be it'd be good. Lisa's looking at me going hurry up and solve it, so I've got an answer. Thank you, unfortunately, that is.
1: All the time that we have. I wish we had longer. I have plenty more questions. Um, Thank you so much, but please join me in thanking
0: Ant and Dave. Thank you. If you'd like to hear more from some industry leaders revealing their insights about their campaigns, marketing challenges and the future of Adland, then head to Mumbrella.com.au slash pro. Housed Within Mumbrella Pro is a comprehensive database of audio and video from Mumbrella's extensive portfolio of events, including the Health Marketing Summit where Anton David spoke, and the two-day jam-packed Mumbrella 360. You can explore Mumbrella Pro for free with a seven-day trial. So head to mumbrella.com.au slash pro for more info and to see what's on offer. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining me. Thanks. Thanks.
2: Thanks.